Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's show, we're going to talk about the hottest new publisher in town, new information regarding the Grand Theft Auto 6 leak, and we're going to finish it up by talking about gaming leaks in general. But first, let's talk about Logitech. Last week, they announced the G Cloud handheld console powered by Android. 1080p 7-inch touchscreen built-in controls, a 3.5-millimeter headphone jack, and it's a cloud platform. What that means is that the system does not have a built-in GPU, so you can't save games and play them natively, similar to something that you'll be able to do with, let's say, Steam Deck. Xbox Cloud Gaming will launch with the console alongside Xbox Remote Play. So that means that you can stream all your Game Pass games. With Xbox Remote Play, you can stream games that are saved onto your home console as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection. This does not have any sort of deal with any cell phone carriers, 5G or anything like that. So you need Wi-Fi in order to stream. NVIDIA GeForce Now is also supported, but I'm not really sure about anything else. They didn't really mention things like Stadia or even for anyone who remembers Amazon Luna it's launching October 17th so it's right around the corner if you really want it but here's the problem cost $300 that's only if you pre-order it it's pretty insane once you really step back and think about it but it's even more ridiculous when you find out that that's the pre-order special on October 17th Price actually goes all the way up to $350. So if for whatever reason you really want this, definitely pre-order it because you get $50 off. So if we calculate it as if the actual retail price is $350, that makes it more than an Xbox Series S, which is $299, the same price as a Switch OLED, and at 350 dollars is $50 less than a 64-gigabyte Steam Deck. And of course, all these items that I just mentioned play games natively. So just to show you by comparison how much more expensive that, uh, that item is compared to all these other ones. Now, this is a cool idea. All in all, I think it's a pretty cool idea. But if I'm Logitech and I realize that I couldn't dependent on the bill cost, I couldn't get away with selling this for $200. I would have just canceled the whole thing. There's no reason for me to actually create this product if I can't actually put it out there for um, 200 bucks, I think would be the sweet spot for something like this. Now, obviously, Xbox, Nintendo, Steam, or Valve, they make money off of every piece of software sold, which is why that they can sort of subsidize that cost and give you sort of a deal knowing that they'll be able to make that money back throughout the lifetime of the console throughout the the the, the time that you own it because they're making 30 percent off of everything sold uh so logitech isn't capable of doing that in this situation Right, so if it has Android, and let's say you can download Android games, I'm not sure if it has any, any sort of onboard memory, they don't get a cut out of that. Google does. 
which is one of the reasons why this thing is so expensive, but it's also a reason as to, well, this probably shouldn't really exist because to me, I don't, I don't see how this could succeed at that price point, especially because your main competitor is a cell phone, which everyone has. And if you really want to stream games on it, there are a lot of great controller options for $100 or less. So part of me honestly feels like Microsoft helped fund this project. Obviously, this, this is just a theory um, that I have, but they kind of were the, the main source of the announcement. They announced it through their official Xbox channels. They put it on Xbox Wire. And I feel like they're sort of along for the ride with Logitech in terms of investment, whether it's 50-50 or some other sort of split. I kind of feel like Logitech is not alone when it comes to the investment of this product. If you saw this and you think it's a cool idea, more power to you, but no, $300 is way too much for a console that you need reliable Wi-Fi for it to actually work correctly at a baseline. Our next story deals with YouTuber Video Game Dunkey, who announced that he and his wife Leia are opening a publishing label called Big Mode. The website says, quote, we believe quality and originality should be supported. Big Mode is a unique and powerful way for great indie games to stand out in a crowded space, and our publishing contracts are designed to be the most developer-friendly possible. You can get involved at any stage from pitch to near completion. We can also assist with any standard publishing needs you may have. Examples that they gave were funding, development support, PR and community management, QA, porting and localization, and of course, merchandising. Now, Dunkey or video game Dunkey has over 7 million subscribers on his YouTube channel. And that influence immediately affected the announcement. Big Mode's Twitter account amassed over 100,000 followers within 24 hours. And their YouTube account has over 22,000 subs with zero viewers. So they don't even have a single video. This is definitely one of the most widest reaching, biggest announcements for a publisher or arguably a developer that we've seen in recent history. We've kind of heard about developers and publishers being opened up, you know, even, even when Jade Raymond talked about like, Hey, I'm opening up Haven studios. I feel like even that didn't get as much attention as this big mode games thing did. And it was kind of for a few reasons. Number one, obviously is because of Dunkey himself. He announced this via his YouTube channel, um, using obviously a video that he released. I think that's already amassed, I think over 2 million views. I think it was. So he, he has this marketing machine that he's built and he and his wife have decided to use that, um, following that they've amassed along with what's going to be a, a pretty healthy financial injection to create a publisher and reactions were a bit mixed. There were people that I noticed on Twitter that were bothered by Dunkey's confidence, you know, on the video. I don't think he came across as cocky, but he definitely came across as confident in terms of him saying, Hey, I've been running this YouTube channel for 10 years. Him kind of saying, I'm tired of just sitting by the sidelines him sort of implying that because he plays so many video games, he feels like he has a very good grasp on what works and what doesn't work. And 
I think that confidence sort of irked some people. But then you also had the uh, the regular everyday regular degula haters that you will always find when anything is announced uh, by practically anyone with a following on Twitter, which is just hate just for the sake of hating. So people are saying like, this guy has no experience. What an idiot. How could he think that just by playing games, you're going to know what works and what doesn't work. Uh, So, you know, he's going to, he's in for uh, a, a really big surprise. If he thinks that that's all that's required to publish a video game, blah, 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 blah. Just, just kind of a, a lot of stuff that was that was um, going out there. And then, of course, you have people that say, if you're a publisher, you need experience. A few things. Number one, you'd be crazy to think that any and every publisher on the face of the earth plays video games. You'd be very, very wrong. Uh, you know, if, if you are a publisher, it's definitely not a requirement to play video games or even understand video games or current trends or actually, no, no, that's wrong. You probably do have to understand current trends. Um, but you, you really don't need to be a gamer gamer at the same level as someone like video game donkey to be a successful publisher. Probably a very good majority of the publishers out there are run by people that don't really play video games, but they're very, very good when it comes to the business side of, uh, launching a video game which is just obviously just as important you can have the greatest video game mechanics and and the greatest looking game of all time if you can't market it properly then no one's going to be able to find it and i think i'm i i get sort of bothered by because like you know in order to get experience you need experience and i think this sort of point of view of this guy probably doesn't know what he's doing because he's never published a game before, uh, you know, people need to remember that it's not like this isn't Dunkey and his wife doing this all on their own. They're more than likely building a team, right? So if you have to help one of your developers when it comes to merchandising, it's not like him, you know, him and his wife are going to be the ones sitting down trying to come up with designs. You have your own design team. Same thing with your PR, same thing with your community management. Uh, same thing with your development support. You know, you're building an entire team to do this. And none of this is going to be cheap. This is a multi-million dollar uh, investment that this that he and his wife are going into. And whether it's outside funding or they're funding it all themselves, I don't really know. But it's, it's a risk. And I'm sure that him, his wife calculated this risk and they felt confident that they'll find uh, a modicum of success. Now, I thought that this one thing I was interesting about this, it does bring a bit of a conflict of interest for his channel, right? You have a YouTube channel where you're constantly talking, reviewing games. It is kind of weird that, you know, someone that's the head of a publisher would continue to review indie games, especially in an unfavorable light. So I feel like you kind of have to tread carefully there. The other thing is you sort of can't review your own games, right? I mean, once a game from Big Mode Games is announced... Maybe on his channel, he can give a little bit of like behind the scenes in terms of like, this is why we chose this particular project as our first one. Obviously, that'll, that'll be the important one. But the big one, YouTube is going to have to really be doing a lot of that heavy lifting. Um, so I guess you'll have to find 
other ways to, to utilize the reach that he's been able to build with his channel. And the other thing I will say is that, yes, it is definitely 100% easier to identify a game as a hit after it's been revealed rather than being able to locate and pinpoint a gem during its pre-production, right? So no publisher is 100% correct. Like it, it, there's no publisher on the face of the planet that, that you know, it, it is, is batting 10 for 10 at the plate. Like that, that just doesn't really happen. And I think that's going to be one of the unfortunate side effects of him being in such a public social media light in terms of the head of a company is that there is going to be this unfortunate, really dumb expectation that this guy's going to go for 10 for 10, especially since he put out there like, Hey, I, I, I know video games. I know what works. I know what doesn't. The issue though, is that for a publisher to make that decision, you're making that decision when a game is really like more than like, like a slideshow sometimes at that point, right? Live is this concept art, uh, maybe some target assets, um, people telling you how the game is going to feel. Maybe there's not really even a script hammered out yet. The characters probably aren't super well-rounded. And, you know, obviously a lot of that depends on what type of game it is. So I feel like whatever their first project is, is probably going to be something that's already a little bit deeper into its development. Maybe something like a small team that's been developing something on their own and have their own little small community and maybe have done Kickstarter or something like that. I could see him coming in, finding one a game like that and wanting that to be the first game they help publish. So it's almost like, hey, we see you're already in the middle of the race. We're just going to help you get to the finish line a lot faster rather than locating a game that is extremely early in its development. I think it would be better to come later on. But, you know, best of luck to him and his wife. This is... Like I said, this is definitely something that even though he came across as very confident in his video, I think I, I, I would like to believe that he understands that it's not as easy as he says is going to be. I think it's just probably, you know, your personality shining through in that video. You're excited about this new endeavor that you're going into uh, in your life. And, you know, when when you're doing anything in life, you should have you know, some confidence going into it. And I don't think that it was, you know, cockiness. I wouldn't really put it that way, or I, I didn't feel he came across that way in his video. So best of luck to he, him and his wife. Now, our next story is an update to the Grand Theft Auto 6 hack that uh, took place uh, a little over last week. I, I spoke about it a bit at during last week's episode but obviously since then a lot of things have happened so number one is that rockstar did confirm that their security was indeed breached and everything we saw was 100 grand theft auto 6 development footage even though we all pretty much knew that this is what we were looking at it wasn't it was like 99.99 percent until rockstar put out a statement and they did confirm that that was indeed what all of us were looking at. Um, the other thing is that there were several people claiming that part or all of the GTA 5 source code was exposed. It's kind of weird. It's it's hard to get sort of a definitive answer on exactly if 
the source code was exposed. Apparently, there were some pieces of the code that were posted up, I think, on, on, on Telegram by the person that had leaked the videos. Within Rockstar's statement and a statement they made to their shareholders, they kind of made it sound like it wasn't that deep of a breach, meaning that the source code for Grand Theft Auto 5 and 6 were safe. So in their, in their message, they wrote, we recently suffered a network intrusion in which an unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. At this time, we do not anticipate any disruption to our live game services, nor any long-term effect on the development of our ongoing projects. So the key there is not just no, you know, no long-term effect. One of the key pieces there is any disruption to our live gaming service. A, a leak of your source code would definitely be a disruption to your live game service without a doubt. And when it comes to accessing that source code or, or the entirety of that source code, the hacker did claim that they had possession of GTA 5 and GTA 6's source code. But I think that's the tricky thing about um, trying to verify what's real and what's not is that, you know, you're kind of trusting, I guess, that a hacker is sharing, you know, 100% the truth and they're not embellishing in any way in terms of what they do and what they don't have. So it's, it's a little bit hard to say, but at this time, there really is no complete proof. Number one, that Grand Theft Auto 6's source code came out. Like, I, I feel like that one's, it, it's seeming like it's highly unlikely. And it also doesn't really seem like Grand Theft Auto 5 source code came out, but it's almost like there's a little bit of like a half truth to Grand Theft Auto 5's uh, source code being uh, released. It's it's still, it's very hard to get to, I guess, what will be considered 100% truth uh, at this time. Rockstar then began taking down any instance of the footage that they could while also limiting comments on their social media pages, all being done in an attempt to basically limit the leak. Rockstar Games also began the process of hiring new security personnel to ensure that this will never happen again. And then right before the weekend, the city of London police announced that they arrested a 17-year-old boy in Oxfordshire on suspicion of hacking. A source confirmed to journalist Matthew Keyes that the kid is related to intrusion on Rockstar Games and possibly Uber, but none of this has been 100% verified. There also was apparently a source that confirmed that the person in question, the 17 year old in question is connected to this hacking group called Lapsus, which has been connected to hacks for Microsoft Nvidia. And I think was also connected to the Uber hack. He was charged with two counts of breach of bail conditions and two counts of computer misuse. The FBI haven't made a statement and the investigation is still open. Uh, like I said, this is kind of weird because everything is just 
corroboration. There's there's no definitive 100% proof that this was the kid that was going online by, I think it was like Teapot or something like that, uh, when they posted up on the GTA forums. It's highly likely that they weren't acting alone. Um, and I think in the investigation, there was kind of a little bit of a mention from London police. Like it is an ongoing investigation. So it's not because of that. They're not really come going to come forward and say, yeah, this was the person or a group of persons that we've caught and arrested. And they were behind, you know, these different hacks, um, that were going on. There was also this other piece of news that came out that apparently there were messages from the source of this hack um, trying to sell information that they had access to something called Cone, the Bank of Brazil. They had access to Take-Two Games, they had access to DoorDash. And then they also made this claim that Grand Theft Auto 6, they wrote, uh, but GTA 6 has been in development since 2014 with over $2 billion spent on it so far. That would easily make it the most expensive video game in history. I think that Grand Theft Auto V, and I think one of the Call of Duties, I don't remember which one it was, might be Modern Warfare, they each cost less than 300 million. I think they were around like 250, 275, something like that was the development cost. So you can see why I would sit here and say, okay, that's a little bit hard for me to believe that Rockstar spent $2 billion. Now, if they began developing in 2014, let's say 14, 15, and the game releases in 24, 25, that would be essentially a 10 year cycle, which is very rare to see in a video game, but that's, that might be maybe $2 billion is sort of a projected budget, you know, going deep into the game's release. Like that's what they expect to spend going into marketing and everything like that. Um, and then more than likely they are rebuilding a new online mode for Grand Theft Auto. Uh, where either they're going to upgrade the current Grand Theft Auto Online, which I think they should. I don't think they should be running two different versions of Grand Theft Auto Online. I think you do you know, something similar to Overwatch 2, except without all the stupidity that they went through, where basically, let's say, if first of all, I would probably try my best to keep it next-gen only. So if you have a PC, PS5, or Xbox Series X, the current GTA online that you have, once part six comes out, that would just update um, to whatever Grand Theft Auto six online. And I, and I still stick to my my theory that it will have some sort of role playing stuff uh, in there, but uh, obviously we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, $2 billion is pretty crazy. You know, I feel like it's a little bit unbelievable, but uh, you never know. I mean, it, it's not like Take-Two doesn't have the money, right? Um, now, one of the coolest things last week that happened because of everything that was going on was there were a bunch of developers that posted early development footage to show people what it looks like when a game is actually in development. And it was all done as a response to 
Well, what definitely became the dumbest tweet of the week where someone said, quote, if you knew how game development goes, you know the visuals are one of the first things done. The game is four years into planning and development. What you see is almost exactly what you will get. It's it's definitely one of the most confidently incorrect things <laughs> I think anyone has ever written on Twitter. Visuals are without a doubt uh, almost pretty much the last thing that you see uh, being injected into a video game, especially all the layers of visuals, you know, like the, the minute details uh, for different NPCs and characters and environments and stuff like that. It doesn't, it makes absolutely no sense for a development team to start with visuals first because, you know, you have to make sure that everything else works. Like what's the point of making a character look good if everything else about that character does not work, right? It just doesn't make any sense at all. So it was kind of cool to see developers, all different types of games, Control, we saw Uncharted, Cult of the Lamb, just, just you know, from, from indies all the way up to triple A's, developers were sharing some early footage and kind of showing people that may not have known, hey, you know what, this is what these games look like. Uh, enjoy it because it definitely does not look very good at all. Um, and, you know, if all that wasn't bad enough, Take-Two is actually hacked again within the same week last week. Someone was able to gain access to 2K's support help desk and they were sending customers a malicious link. Apparently people were losing their 2K characters. I think it was linked to anyone who opened a support ticket. They responded as if they were the help desk and they said, hey, there's a new 2K launcher, download this. And I think they were just downloading malware. I don't really know how extensive the hack was. 2K has not volunteered those details. And I didn't really see any tweets from people saying that, you know, exactly what was compromised outside of a few people posting that they lost their 2K characters. But before we wrap this up, I do want to mention one thing, one other positive part of this leak. And I, and I think a lot of this is, um, it obviously it, it must be tough if you're working on this game to find a, a silver lining. But if, if there is a silver lining to this, all of this early development footage being uh, put out onto the internet, is that now their marketing department has basically millions of people just participated into a focus group, whether you realize it or not. I guarantee you that that, that marketing team, their directors, their development team, they're all combing through those forums. They're all combing through Twitter. They're all combing through all these social medias. They're, they're probably looking up watching YouTube videos of and, and seeing the reaction that people have even to a lot of the mechanics that are unfinished. You know, there were a lot of cool things that we saw on there that I think Grand Theft Auto fans have been asking for for a while. One of the things I've, I've always been asking for is a little bit of an overhaul of the police system. It's, it just really doesn't work very well. And I think Rockstar did a lot of cool things with Red Dead Redemption 2 where you never felt that you were instantly punished for doing something either by mistake or just maybe just having a little bit of fun. They had a system in place where it's like, you know, someone had to actually get away and, and, and alert 
the uh, the authorities before someone came after you, uh, which I thought was cool. They always had like a little bit of a radius so you can get away. You didn't feel like the uh, the sheriff and, and the police in, in Red Dead Redemption knew exactly where you were. And it looks like they're fixing that in Grand Theft Auto 6. So there was a moment where uh, Lucius steals a car and then it says like, oh, the law will know that this is the car that you're driving because it's been shared uh, information wise. So that probably encourages you to get out, maybe, you know, walking around, maybe you won't get recognized or uh, maybe getting into another car. They did a couple things at Grand Theft Auto 5 where you could like kind of hide in your car, but it's cool to see them pushing it further. You know, an interaction system with NPCs is something that looks like they're adding with Grand Theft Auto 6. Uh, a brand new weapon system is something I've wanted for Grand Theft Auto for so long, not having, not carrying like 20 weapons on you. I think stuff like that is really cool. Makes Makes the game more grounded. Um, and I think that they're also gaining a lot of feedback for these two main characters, Jason and Lucia. Like, I, I thought Jason was probably one of the most boring looking characters um, that I think Rockstar has done in, in recent years. Like the last three protagonists, they all looked really, they looked and felt and sound like everything about them felt very, very interesting. Like you really wanted to dig deeper into these characters. Jason was one where I'm like, damn, this guy looks like the most boring, generic white dude. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe they'll make a couple of changes there or, you know, it could also be a part of their marketing. Like they now have, like I said, this giant focus group of people that I tell that have already responded to um, the first female protagonist in a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, people bring up like GTA 2 or something like that. Yeah, but those are like, freaking pixels right you know i i feel comfortable saying this is the first female protagonist in a grand theft auto game so now they they have that feedback into how a lot of people were taking that yes you have you know the, the woke people this is woke whatever like garbage you know not paying attention to garbage stuff like that but the other thing that's also funny is that this this the, the game has been delayed 100 percent even even though Rockstar saying the game hasn't been delayed, 100% the game has, has been delayed. I, I say that with the utmost confidence. Now, that doesn't mean there's going to be a delay by a year, a year and a half. It could just be months. And it could be something, once again, marketing. Now their marketing plan, your marketing plan is affected by this leak. It absolutely is. People have seen it. But then, you know, there might be, like I said, there might be some feedback that they collected and through that feedback, maybe they're you know making a few changes, and and, and that can cause so it could, it could be a, a good delay, not just a bad one. But the 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 great thing that's on Rockstar's side is that they never dated this, so they could delay, and we just would never know, right? Like it could be something that originally was supposed to come out maybe like September 2024, and now they delay it. They, they when they announce the the date, they say February 2025, and we just all feel like oh that was the date. We just will, you know, we'll never know. Now, for a final story, I actually wanted to talk about video game leaks in gaming. Last week, a YouTuber by the name of Dan Allen Gaming made the mistake of revealing himself to be running a Twitter account that was leaking announcements before they were made public. Twitter account was called The Real Insider. And when a Twitter user asked The Real Insider a question, Dan Allen Gaming accidentally replied to the question using his own Twitter account. Immediately, 
this started spreading on Twitter. Journalist Jason Schreier got a whiff of it, did some more digging. And in a discord, he pretty much confirmed that the two were connected because of their posting habits. He kind of went into straight up CSI mode. This guy was talking about like, oh, look at the way they capitalized their letters. Like the, the guy did his work. But he he noticed like when Dan Allen Gaming would post about something, the real insider would also post about a similar subject. So Saints Row was an example. Dan Allen Gaming was giving early access or not early access, but he was sent a review code for Saints Row. And then around the same time, I think it was, the real insider tweeted that all early feedback is that the Saints Row game is not looking very good. I think Metal Hellsinger, the real insider, tweeted the entire track list, I think it was, around the same time that Dan Allen got a review code for the game. And then apparently he was also caught uh, requesting code swaps, which is something that you're not supposed to do. When you when, when when a publisher or developer sends you a review code for a game, there are a lot of parameters given uh, and usually something that you have to sign saying, I won't do this thing. And one of those is obviously you won't give the code to anyone. You won't let anyone else redeem the code. You're going to redeem the code. No one can watch you playing. You know, you can't uh, release or record any types of images, blah, blah, blah. So there's a bunch of stuff. But one of them is you can't give the code away. You can't sell the code. And... Code swapping is also part of that. You can't just straight up swap uh, the code. Now, he eventually confessed. He deleted both Twitter accounts, his Dan Allen Gaming and The Real Insider. And then he posted a public apology on his YouTube channel, which I was blown away by. Could not believe this guy did this uh, because you're it's it's a. a, a it's it's if it is a public conf it's a very public confession and that means that any company that wants to pursue enforcing their nda now has this like uh indisputable proof right now of you going on video and saying i'm sorry yes this was me so i was very surprised that he did that i feel like you know uh he probably could have just like kept his mouth shut, even if there was speculation and just kind of keep going with this. So I'm actually very surprised that he immediately nuked both of the Twitter accounts and uh, created an admission of guilt. And like I said, I'm surprised more, not from a moral standpoint, I'm surprised more from a legal standpoint that he would do that. He confirmed that he created the account as a pathetic way to clout chase <laughs> And he even admitted that he created false stories, such as rumors of a Silent Hill, a Metal Gear Solid remake. And he actually proved how easy it is to create one of these leaking accounts. So the real insider said during uh, the, the state of play that happened not too long ago, he tweeted out that God of War Ragnarok was going to be there. But he said that Dan Allen confirmed that he had no idea that was going to happen. The only reason why he said that was because Christopher Judge, the uh, Kratos' voice actor, retweeted the State of Play announcement. So one plus one equals two. It's uh, a pretty educated guess that when the voice actor of Kratos <laughs> retweets the State of Play, chances are highly likely that God of War is going to be shown in some capacity. Um, 
One big item that he did leak was Ubisoft's entire Assassin's Creed announcements for their Ubisoft Forward event that happened a few weeks ago. So he leaked out Assassin's Creed Red, Jade, Hex, kind of the name, those all those code names of everything that was going to happen. And it was confirmed that he was invited by Ubisoft to learn about all this beforehand. And then he basically just used that information to leak. And the chances are pretty high that he was forced to sign an NDA. Ubisoft released the following statement, even though they didn't directly address him. We regularly provide access and information on our games under NDA's trusted partners. When that trust is compromised or information is leaked by an individual, it's not only damaging and demoralizing to our teams, but it's taking, it takes away from an exciting reveal moment and experience for our players. While we don't speak on an individual case, we do take these matters seriously and we'll manage accordingly. Now, this guy's obviously his career has been 100% affected. Uh, number one is is a blacklist. You've basically been, been blacklisted by Ubisoft. And, you know, when something like this happens and, and it kind of hits the news waves and it's this big, it's really easy for every PR firm and every publisher out there to easily add you to a, a blacklist. So the chances that this guy is going to be invited to any future events is going to be uh, given early access, review codes for, for anything or is, is probably pretty low, especially if we're talking about big publishers. Uh, and then definitely being allowed access to privileged information is probably out the window. And, you know, I saw some people on Twitter and YouTube saying like, man, I feel sorry for this guy. No, not me. This guy doesn't really get any sympathy from me. Obviously, from a mental health standpoint, yes, I hope the guy, you know, mentally takes care of himself. You know, obviously... Uh, watching something you've built seemingly blow up within 24 hours is it can't be something easy to handle. But this is a grown ass man. We're talking about this guy's in his 30s. At that point in your life, you understand risk. You understand consequences. And he understood what would have happened if he got caught. And he decided the clout chase was was enough for him, which is like just super weird. I kind of don't understand the mentality behind it. Because it's not like you're benefiting from the from the clout chase. You're you're doing it in secret. You're doing it wearing a mask. It's just it's just dumb. It's a really dumb way to implode uh, your main source of revenue. So I want to take this opportunity to talk about leak in game leaking in gaming because it's gotten so prevalent nowadays within our industry. So I want to talk about that today. And there were many people who felt that. What happened to Rockstar was justified because of Grand Theft Auto 6 and that and that leak that leak. Even though I don't really consider a leak, leaks and hacks are completely uh, different things, right? We, we were given access to very early development footage. It's not like Rockstar volunteered that information to anyone, even under NDA. And for those that don't know, let me explain. NDA means non-disclosure agreement. It's basically a contract that you sign. Usually with a PR firm, uh, uh, it's usually through PR firms that you're you're given previews and early access and stuff like that. Sometimes directly through a publisher and their internal PR uh, marketing department. And you're basically signing a contract. The contract basically says that you're not going to talk about anything that you saw that day. Or if you're given early access or an early review code to a game that you won't... Um, share any video images. Um, usually the NDA requires that you play in a room by yourself. No one else can see. Sometimes even they'll even mention like 
you know, even if it's another person you know that also signed an NDA and kind of got access to the same game, still don't discuss this game with them in public. The, you know, usually a lot of things like that along um, those lines, and they can be enforced. You know, and the enforcement can be harsh. Can be usually it's it's in it's in the uh, the form of a of a monetary fine because the company may be able to prove that you caused them monetary damage by leaking information um, that would have cost them. Um, so there are some people that felt like it, you know, Rockstar deserved what happened to them. That I, I found kind of weird. It's like the entitlement. Uh, there were some people that felt like, oh, you know, you, you abandoned Red Dead Online. You get what you deserve kind of thing. But there's also seems to be because of the leak culture in gaming nowadays, there seems to be this sense of entitlement from gamers where because we live in this moment where it feels like we can't go. I think at one point it was we couldn't go a full year. Now it feels sometimes it feels like we can't go a full month in in video games, media, social media and mainly Twitter. We can't go a month without something leaking, whether it's small, whether it's big. We can't go a month without some information that a company wanted to keep confidential making its way out into the public. And I think that this has increased this sense of entitlement that some fans feel where they feel like, oh, Rockstar deserves it because they took so long to announce Grand Theft Auto 6. We saw that happen with Ragnarok, right? Uh, God of War Ragnarok. Those devs were being harassed because of a lack of information. And a lot of that was really people leaking. That's really what led to that. It's like point A to point B. It wasn't just out of the woodwork. People were just harassing Corey Barlog and God of War developers. A lot of it sometimes stemmed from, yes, there was a little bit of frustration from a lack of information, but then there also was a leak, and I don't remember the source, some journalist or some Twitter account, some influencer that had mentioned, oh, Sony is, is about to do a state of play for God of War. They're going to announce the date. Then there were some other people saying that the date, it was going to be delayed, and then Jason Schreier was trying to corroborate it and he somehow confirmed, no, it looks like it's coming this year. But then when Jason Schreier said that, the harassment now then, uh, I'm not going to say it doubled, but it increased because now you have this very reputable source saying, yes, you know, I can confirm as of right now, they're still targeting this year. So that, that actually kind of did more bad than good because once he confirmed that, now you emboldened those harassers even more because they're not going to increase the harassment because now they know that this is happening this year. It's coming soon. So we want footage now. Tell us now. What's the date? We need to know now. And that sense of entitlement, I feel like it really comes from the amount of leaks that we've been seeing back to back to back to back. And people... Uh, excuse me, customers and consumers and fans feeling that since they're paying money to these companies, they're somehow entitled to all of this uh, information. The other thing I want to make clear is that there is a big difference between, you know, a, a YouTuber or an influencer 
uh, leaking information and a journalist like Jason Schreier. Some people were saying, aren't they the same? They're both leaking information that companies did not want people to know until they were ready. The reason why it's not the same is because Jason Schreier is not breaking any NDAs. He's not breaking any embargoes. An embargo is usually put in place for reviews. So you're giving an early review to Saints Row, and basically you're not allowed to show any images, video. You're not allowed to talk about the game until the embargo is lifted. So let's say the game comes out the 22nd, you know, the 17th at 8 a.m. Eastern time. That is the exact time that the embargo lifts. And then everyone can put out their articles, their videos, their images, all that stuff. Um, when Jason Schreier leaks something, so for example, he leaked Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Infinite, Infinite for example, and I think he, has, he leaked Assassin's Creed Red. When he ran his Rockstar story, he leaked that Grand Theft Auto 6 is in active development. He confirmed it, and I think he confirmed the details about it being a Bonnie and Clyde adventure and it having its first female protagonist. Jason Schreier can do that because he didn't uh, learn that directly from Rockstar Games. He learned that from someone working within or contracted or working with Rockstar Games that, that had access to that information. For whatever reason, they felt like going to Jason Schreier anonymously and telling him that, hey, this is what they're doing for Grand Theft Auto 6. So that's the difference is that he's not breaking any NDAs or any embargoes because he's getting something um, from another source within that company compared to something that, you know, like what Dan Allen Gaming did, where he did break an NDA. He was directly given privileged information, and he then decided to break that NDA or break that embargo. And there are definitely moments where when it comes to influences in Twitter accounts, probably the biggest leakers right now that you know don't hide behind some sort of cryptic real insider kind of thing uh arguably i think would be jeff grubb and it will be tom henderson i feel like are the top two accounts of people that are leaking stuff sometimes way before they're announced so tom henderson leaks a lot of you know call of duty stuff so he leaked you know warzone 2 uh I think it was like months months ago i think um the dmz mode for for modern warfare 2 i think he leaked it like a year ago i think it was so he's definitely big when it comes to that and he obviously does have some sort of connection within activision that's just feeding him all this information and i think that just like what dan allen gaming said about this creation of this real insider account is that a lot of this really is happening out of sort of pure clout chasing. And I think the big question I usually ask myself when something leaks is who benefits from this information that is being leaked, right? Because the purest and the best benefit is leaking poor practices within a company. So when Jason Schreier runs a report or Cecilia D'Anastasio, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right, when she leaked what was happening over in Riot Games, those things involve harassment, abuse, crunch culture, the mistreatment of employees. That has multiple benefits, right? You're benefiting the employees currently at that company. You're benefiting employees at other companies because uh, they might now feel a lot more emboldened to speak up. 
you know, we saw it happen with Ubisoft and, um, you know, all those conversations that were happening out in France. We had the Riot Studios. We had, obviously, the big thing that happened with Activision Blizzard. And then it obviously it definitely does trickle down and it positively affects consumers and fans because they become better informed about their purchase decisions. But when it comes to leaking a piece of internal confidential information from a company, we have to be able to ask ourselves who benefits from this information. Now, sometimes you'll have journalists who will defend this practice, like Jason Schreier defends it a lot, where he talks about that um, no information that comes out of a company should be privileged. And I do agree with that sentiment. But Jason Schreier, in my opinion, is not really a person that I would pinpoint to as a problem when it comes to leak culture and and the negative effect of it, such as you know harassment, the entitlement that we're seeing. Because when Jason Schreier leaks something, number one, it's usually attached to a big story. So it's something like he was digging into what was happening at Ubisoft and, and, and through that work, he found out about what was happening with Assassin's Creed. Uh, he decided to dig in and give an update with what was happening at Rockstar Games. And the fact that it's, it looks like they improved their culture. And through that, he also learned about Grand Theft Auto 6 and he printed that into his story. But Jason Schreier, I've noticed, is not really the type of person to all of a sudden um, tweet out of nowhere, uh, you know, I don't know why I can't. I'm struggling a couple of examples. Bully 2 is in development at Rockstar or something uh, like that. I, I don't feel like he's the person that does it purely for uh, for himself. So I'm speaking more about the Tom Hendersons and the Jeff Grubbs. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves who benefits from this information. And the reality of it and, and what I want to really argue for, I guess, in this segment of the podcast is that the only person that really legitimately benefits from leaking information, especially information at such an early stage, is the person who leaked it. Tom Henderson and Jeff Grubb, those are really the, the people that benefit from putting out this early information out there. So one of the biggest leaks that Tom Henderson put out there this year was he leaked um, what appeared to be one of Kojima's next projects, which was sort of a... I don't even know was it, it was supposed to be like a, uh, a a horror game. And I think that it was called, I believe it was called overdose and he didn't put out video, but he put out an information about the video, um, starring actress Mar Margaret Qualley. And I think it was third and first person. And I believe, yeah, I, I think the name of, of the project he said was overdose Kojima productions tried to ask him to take it down he then published them asking him to take it down, which once again, that sort of request is not confidential information. He has every right to do that. I respect it. He did it. Um, but then at that point, we have to be able to ask ourselves who benefits from him releasing this, this uh, information out so early, right? We have no idea you know, where that game falls within Kojima productions, you know, things could be canceled, things could be changed. Um, it could be a project that 
might not even be his next project. But the people who benefit, number one, is Tom Henderson benefits from it because the moment he puts out a leak like that, and especially if that leak becomes true and people see it, now that person's following explodes, right? They're able to bring more people to their social media channels. So I look at it as like you gain a big benefit. You technically are gaining a monetary benefit by leaking information, right? If you're getting more eyeballs on your Twitter, that means that you can drive more traffic to your YouTube, for example. You can drive more views so you can sell more ads. Uh, Tom Henderson is one of the people behind a brand new website that I think he debuted last week called Insider Gaming. So the more and more and more and more you leak, the more people will click and go to your website. And once again, you can sell more ads. So I never, ever want to hear from a leaker saying that they do what they do because they feel the public deserves to know this information or they feel like it's their journalistic duty. No, if you're going to do what you do, and I'm not here to, to uh, you know, place judgment or, or pass judgment on anyone and say, no, what you're doing is evil. I'm not going to sit here and I'm definitely not going to sit here and defend, defend any of these gigantic companies. And I'm not going to defend saying like, oh, you're messing with their, uh, you know, their, their marketing plan and stuff like that. Look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say any of that. All I'm saying is that I will not sit here and accept a person telling me that they're doing this for the benefit of gamers out there. Because the only thing that comes out of this, once you really stop and think about the leak culture in video games, the only thing that really comes out of it is negativity, right? Because when you leak this information, number one, you increase this sense of entitlement from fans. You increase the amount of harassment that developers are now going to face. So now every time Kojima shows something or does something, there's always going to be this talk about where's overdose? When's overdose coming? What's good? It happened with the Nintendo Direct, right? Which was what? Like a week or two ago. Jeff Grubb leaked, oh, Zelda Wind Waker and Metro Prime Trilogy are getting remasters. What happened? Harassment, harassment, harassment. Where's the remasters? Where are they? Direct happened. After Direct, right right on the YouTube chat inside of the, the, the Twitter account, where, where are these remakes? What's going on with the remakes? Where are they? We know they exist. So all you're doing really is creating the harassment. And guess what? You were wrong. And unfortunately, he wasn't 100% wrong. The likelihood, it's very likely that these things exist. But as I said earlier with Dan Allen, you can make educated guesses. I can sit here and tell you guys, this is an exclusive Camp Koji scoop for all my listeners out there. There is a Metroid Prime Trilogy remaster H or HD edition coming to Nintendo Switch. And from there, I could tell you like, yep, it's going to be all three in one package. Uh, but the reason why I can do that is not because I don't have, excuse me, it's not because I have access to privileged information. It's because it's very easy to connect the dots, right? Nintendo's making a Metro Prime 4. One of the things that you definitely want to happen when you're introducing someone to the fourth version of a video game franchise is you want to make sure that they've played the first three, not just because it's a way to capitalize on sales, make money off of it, but also just from the standpoint of story continuation, you want people to experience the first three. Okay, how can you experience Metro Prime right now? Pirate, that's it. That's the only way to do it. There's no other way to emulate it. 
right? There's no other way to get access to those games. So either A, they they create, release a GameCube emulate, emulator and put all the Metroid games on there, or they just take the Metro Prime Trilogy, which is already built, I think it was for the Wii, and then you just remaster it. On top of that, you want more information that corroborates this? We've seen how many games that this company has remastered. They just talked about in the last Direct. Hey, we're going to bring Kirby Dreamland or whatever. They did it with... Um, What's the name of it? The Skyward Sword, right? They did it. So of course it's easy to see like, yeah, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker. Why wouldn't we do it? It's very low effort. It's low development cost, And people are going to, we're going to sell millions and millions of copies of this stuff. Why wouldn't they do it? Of course they're going to put something out like that. But all you do, the way that I look at it is it's only negativity. That's really the only thing. The same thing happens in, in to Marvel fans and the MCU, right? They're going to have an event. You have people that, you know, want the clout. They want the followers. They want the retweets. Oh, the Fantastic Forecast is going to be announced. Here are the people that are going to be announced. Here's Mr. Incredible, Mrs. Incredible. Here's the entire thing. Uh, and then if they're if they're right, even if they're making educated guesses, now their following is going to blow up. If they're wrong, it's very simple. You can just say, well, you know, it looks like they just weren't ready yet, but we're going to learn about it soon. You know, you can always wiggle your your way out of it. But the only thing that happens is negativity because now then you had the fans. Where, where's the fantastic forecast? What's going on? Just, you guys were supposed to announce it. No, they weren't. They never said that they were going to announce it. And you notice it now every time that we have uh, any sort of state of play, direct, any sort of stream, the hype gets ballooned up. Because now there's these rumors and a lot of them are false and just educated guesses. And then people walk away from it feeling disappointed. Look at what happened with that Marvel Games event. People are like, where's Wolverine? Where's Spider-Man? Why, why aren't they here? You have to think about You have to ask yourself, what's the thought process that a human being goes through when they're told, here, here's this event. How does their mind jump all the way to this point? of saying, well, they're having a Marvel event. There's this Marvel game that's happened that, that was announced. That means that, that that game is going to be at that event. The only reason why why these gaming fans, why, why their mind works that way now is because we live at this point in video games where it's like the future, the future, the future, what's happening next, next, next. And we're not even taking time to discuss what's, what's now, what just released, what's happening. Everything is about next, 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 hype, 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 and wanting to know things before they are ready to actually be sort of revealed out there um, to uh, the public. So once again, who benefits from leaking this information? I'll give you another perfect example. Jeff Grubb, right? So three months after Idols Montreal was sold to Embrace a group on his podcast, he said this. Quote, the rumbling I've heard is that the studio wants to immediately get into Deus Ex. They want to get right back into that. They want to challenge. They want to do a Cyberpunk 2077 could it and stuff like that. So we have to ask ourselves that little blurb, who benefits from this information? The only person who benefited from this information was Jeff Grubb. Because by doing this, you're talking about, you know, hundreds and thousands of people across you know, reading websites across the world, not just not just here in the United States, 
that same day or whatever, that morning, that afternoon, are opening up their browsers or looking on their Twitter and they're seeing new Deus Ex going to be like Cyberpunk or new Deus Ex better than Cyberpunk or, uh, you know, Deus Ex is going to do what Cyberpunk 2077 couldn't, right? So these things are all being run. And you already know how it is. A lot of people nowadays don't even read a full story. They just look at that clickbait title and, and, and they take it as gospel. And then that's the other problem is that when you have someone on the level of Jeff Grubb, you're going to trust what he's going to say. And I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that he's lying. Of course not. That's all I'm trying to say. But the issue with this now is that because of what he put out there, he's created what I would call an unrealistic baseline expectation, right? So now if you're a Deus Ex fan, you're thinking a few things. From that one thing, number one, the, the term immediately getting to Deus Ex. So number one, you're already saying you're already thinking to yourself that Embracer Group is putting Deus Ex above anything else. Like that's at the front of their mind, right? The other thing, they want to do what Cyberpunk 2077 couldn't. Now you're creating an unrealistic expectation for the game. Excuse me, not not I want to say unrealistic, but you're really you're creating an expectation for what the game is going to be, even though the game has not like they literally don't they probably don't even have a concept art for this game. They don't even have a t-shirt <laughs> designed for this video game. Like they have they probably have absolutely nothing for this game. The other thing is that it also sets this expectation that this will happen, that Deus Ex will begin production, that it will that there's this expectation that it will surpass Cyberpunk 2077. It'll do what Cyberpunk didn't do. One of my biggest gripes, for example, is Cyberpunk. Let's be honest. Cyberpunk is not an RPG. It's not a role-playing game. You don't really you know, have much agency. You don't really, your choices really don't matter that much in that video game. So now you're painting this picture of a video game um, that, once again, does not technically exist. And then the question is, what happens when this does not happen? So number one, now that that's out there, you're going to consistently see people on Twitter, hey, where's Deus Ex? What happened to Deus Ex? When the game is finally showed, oh, I thought that this was supposed to be like Cyberpunk. This isn't anything like Cyberpunk. It, it's, it, this isn't open world. This isn't that. This isn't that. this. And the thing about it is that when, 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 when Jeff Grubb uh, point put something out like this it could have literally come from someone within the company that they probably had this initial meet and greet type of meeting like hello we're in embracer group the leaders of embracer group meeting with the leaders of um of idos montreal and it could have just been a very relaxed you know, uh, type of conversation in terms of like, yeah, you know what? Deus Ex is something that we're very interested in doing another one. We really like what, you know, Cyberpunk, what CDPR did with Cyberpunk, but we actually think that, you know, the Cyberpunk aesthetic is really good right now. It's big. It's going to be good in the future. And we think that we can really, you know, build upon that. So you're taking like that little nugget of information and now you're blowing it up. So then it comes back to the question of who benefits from this information. And we have to be realistic. If you, Even if you, you're not a Deus Ex fan, whether you are or are not, you have to say to yourself, 
as a gamer, as a person who really loves this industry, is my life better with this information? Have things gotten better or did they just technically get worse? Because if you're a Deus Ex fan, they've technically now gotten actually a little bit worse because now you're, you're kind of giving this a little bit of like hope that there is going to be a new Deus Ex, right? There hasn't been a Deus Ex for a while. The last Deus Ex did not really do that well financially, right? What, 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 guys, let's remember what literally just happened with Saints Row. I think it's actually a part of today's wrap it up. Saints Row is looks like it's, it's going to struggle to make money. It probably is going to break even. So now when something like that happens, what do you think you do as Embracer Group? You start to reevaluate taking old franchises and refreshing and rebooting them. Now you're probably going to be a lot more nitpicky. What happens if they do get a playable build for Deus Ex and those leaders say, man, this isn't really looking good and they decide to scrap it. So once again, who benefited from this information? Jeff Grubb. He was the only person who did. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here once again, um, sort of wagging my finger at Jeff Grubb and saying, no, you're wrong. You're bad for doing this. Respect. I respect it. At the end of the day, if you're talking about video games, especially at the scale of a Jeff Grubb as a journalist, your your one of your main goals is to make more money. How do you make more money? You build a bigger audience. What's the easiest way to do that nowadays in our industry? It's leaking information. It's definitely not doing what you know. Jason Schreier, um, Patrick Klepek, I think his name is. Sorry if I, I screwed that up. Cecilia D'Anastasio. It's not. It's not. You know. Oh, Cecilia just ran a story digging into Twitch and it's an amazing story. If you haven't read it, check it out. I think she published it on Bloomberg, which is talking about um, basically child predators on Twitch and how many children that they follow and how easy it is to identify and follow children underneath the age of 16. Just a lot of it, it was a very investigative piece that, that could have taken months to put together. Jeff Grubb can get more people coming to his podcast, to his YouTube, and to his uh, Twitter just by saying, hey, get guys, uh, I just heard that EA is making a Black Panther game. So why wouldn't you do it, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, like, I respect that. I respect the hustle. I understand why you're doing it. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and hear from anyone, and I'm not saying that Jeff Grubb said this or Tom Henderson said this, but I want to hear from anyone that, that's going to sit there and tell me that these guys do this for our benefit. Like for, for whatever reason, we need to know that EA is making a black Panther game that probably won't be out for like a, a few years from now or something like that. Like they just announced Iron Man is in pre-production. So who knows when we're probably going to see whenever this black Panther game get, get, gets announced or uh, you know, if it, if it comes out, all you're doing is you're unknowingly creating this new baseline uh, expectation for what fans feel like they deserve. And I will say, yes, I, I retweet these things when they happen. Yes, I do participate in the conversations. I do participate in the excitement. But what I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, no one really needs to know this information. But simultaneously, I understand why the Tom Hendersons and the Jeff Grubbs exist. 
because all you're trying to do is build up your, your audience and your following. Respect. I respect it. Now, what can companies do about this? Now, it seems that some companies have become a bit more transparent lately. Um, Crystal Dynamics, for example, announcing, hey, we're working on a new Tomb Raider or something like that. I think that's really the way to go about it. Look at what EA did with Skate. They, they literally announced Skate before they even started working on it. The idea of Skate was coming when they... Um, announced the Dead Space remake. They were doing a lot of development videos that were showing really early behind-the-scenes footage. It's a great way also for companies to get feedback. And I think stuff like that might limit uh, some leaks. Um, the other thing is I, I also feel like from an employment perspective, I think we've reached this moment in video games where employees are, employees are more disgruntled with their companies than they've ever been. And the only time that a an employee risks not only their job, but they risk being sued by a company and being blacklisted from the industry. So if, let's say you're caught leaking information. That could be your career. Like who wants to hire someone that knowingly leaked company um, secret information, right? You're so you're you're risking a lot. And it seems like more and more employees are doing it. Because we kind of all know the reality of making a video game. It kind of sucks, right? Creating a video game is not very fun. Working conditions are not as good as uh, they once were. Or actually, no, I can't say that. I can't sit here and say that conditions were ever great for creating a video game. But I think that's another path that companies need to consider is saying, why? Like, why do we have leaks? Why, why is this happening? You know, especially at companies like Nintendo, which have, you know, um, historically been very, very tight-lipped. Um, you know, why is someone leaking out this information? I feel like probably a lot of leaks come through testers, but that's just a guess um, from my part. But, you know, really leaks kind of start with disgruntled, unhappy employees. If you're unhappy with your company, you could give two, sh if, if anyone knows exactly, uh, you know, what they are working on um so yeah i guess those are my two cents that i i thought this was a good opportunity to talk about it because i i i just legitimately feel like it's gotten so out of hand this culture within video games of every single time anything is announced a developer wants to talk about the future this expectation that's supposed to be blow the door off the hinges thing and the fact that we or or there are gamers out there that complain about how do i put this it's like they want to to see games announced as soon as possible but then they are angry when games take long to be developed. Well, you you know, you can't have one without the other. You, you can't say, man, we need better working conditions and, and, and get angry at delays. It's kind of like the same thing. But I feel like this leak culture has really sort of poisoned the well a bit, kind of going hand in hand also with console wars. It's just become so exhausting nowadays to navigate any announcement that a company makes now because it's usually about 
addressing a leak or addressing the next thing, the future, addressing something else. It's like every Twitter fan has like the utmost ADD or something like that. This week's hot release is September 26th. World of Warcraft Classic Wrath of the Lich King on PC, September 27th, Grounded, PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Game Pass, Tunic, finally coming to PS4, PS5, Switch, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, also finally coming to Steam, it used to be only Epic Game Store, and that comes alongside a free upgrade, I think it's for all um, consoles is currently on, Life is Strange Remastered Collection coming to Switch, September 28th, Deathverse, Let It Die, PC, PS4, PS5, Moonbreaker, PC Early Access, um, that's coming September 29th, FIFA 23, PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. Time to wrap it up, stories we didn't have time to get to. During a recent Bloomberg interview, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella spoke about his confidence level regarding their Activision Blizzard acquisition, saying, quote, of course, any acquisition of this size will go through scrutiny, but we feel very, very confident that we'll come out. He also noted that Xbox is number four or five in gaming, depending on how you count, and that Sony is number one while recently acquiring three companies. He closed that thought by stating, quote, so if this is about competition, then let us have competition. I 100% agree with him on that point. If one company is competing, you have to let the other one compete, even if that other company bought one of the biggest uh, companies in the world. Uh, I think it's still part of that competition or that that sort of competitive way. Uh, this whole thing about Xbox being in number four or five, I feel like it's kind of cheating. He's obviously counting uh, Apple and Google probably on there and counting mobile gaming. I feel like that's kind of unfair to talk about in this uh, exact conversation. He also claimed that their number one goal is to bring more games to more gamers on more platforms. Come on, that's that's really not true. It, it's 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 why I keep on saying that, you know, both of these companies are right, but both of them are actually wrong, too. Uh, it, it's just kind of funny to watch Xbox sit behind this super holy, purely good persona of just like, hey, we, we just want, you know, gamers to play games anywhere and everywhere. And, yeah, you know, that might be partially true. But if, if that really was your number one goal, then your games would be on PlayStation like point blank uh you would and i understand that they said like they kind of hinted at like well if they put game pass that they could have our games but come on that's not really the same thing now is it uh embrace the ceo lars wing winch first expressed disappointment in saints real sales say i'm confident we'll make money on the investment would that what it have as great return on investment that we have seen in many other games not very likely but we will make money and that's a good starting point. He also talked about, you know, they're going to evaluate everything and that would obviously affect whether they make another Saints Row. I personally think that this is the end. I feel like this is it. This is the very end for Saints Row. Um, I think you take that team. I think you still have a very solid team built. Uh, you you get yourself a, a, a better engine. Maybe, maybe you, you, you go over... Are they using Unreal? I don't know. Whatever they're using is not very good. Uh, and you 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 let them do something different. I I think Saints Row is done. I think that that concept and that niche that you're trying to fit into, you either have to go to the extreme like you did with Saints Row 3 or 4, which I think was a right direction at that time, 
uh, or understand you're never going to compete with, with Grand Theft Auto. You just are never going, it's never going to happen. So I personally think this is the end. And to be honest, as a Saints Row fan, someone who definitely enjoyed one, two was definitely the best. I kind of enjoyed three or four. I think it's okay to, to, to put this one to bed. Cyberpunk 2077 is topping sales charts again as CD Projekt Red announced more than a million uh, players recently logged in. A surge that was caused by the recent release of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, they also apparently surpassed Witcher 3's record of most concurrent players. I think it was like 100 and something thousand or something like that. Uh, a few thoughts on this. Number one, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, absolutely amazing. I mean, it was just. It was so well done. Number two, CDPR did something with Edge Runners that every single other uh, publisher or developer that's interesting in making a video game, they need to take that th these notes. So one thing that they did really well is that they closely connected the game to the, the or the anime to the game. Things like sound effects, characters, uh, locations. The, you know, they, they really did pull them straight from the game. And then in the game, they did that Edge Runners update where you can visit apartments from different characters in the anime. You can find a weapon from one of the characters in the anime. Um, that type of stuff is, is a very good note for people to take. And... That's definitely one of the reasons why you're seeing kind of that synergy. Uh, even I went back into playing the game for a bit after watching uh, the anime. But I will say it's also two things, I guess. Number one is it's really interesting how um, we really have reached this point in media and social media where we're we're really drowning and inundated with so much information it becomes so easy to forget uh things that have happened and it's just really interesting how cdpr has been able to it's almost like they beat the charges right <laughs> talk about a company that blatantly lied about the state of their video game released a broken game took them over a year to fix it technically it still really really isn't even fixed they never delivered the game that they were supposed to deliver it looks like they're not going to. They, in an investor call, they talked about doing other things, new stories, experiences, content. They confirmed once again that this upcoming um, expansion pack, that's it. Even though they say that they're going to add more things to the game, this is the one and only expansion. I think they're going to rely on modder, modders to really keep the game running. I just, I just kind of do find that uh, very interesting. Uh, and then last week, EA CEO Andrew Wilson said, quote, in a world where there may be questions over the future of Call of Duty and what platforms it might be on or might not be on, being platform agnostic and completely cross-platform with Battlefield, I think, is a tremendous opportunity. 100%. He's right. You know, Call of Duty, I feel like, is in a very interesting point in time, especially with their multiplayer. And if there ever comes a time where Xbox says, eh, you know what, Call of Duty is only on PC and on Xbox, you know, that is an opportunity for them to strike. And I think the best thing that they can do is take your sweet, sweet time, really take your time with the next battlefield and then be ready to strike when the opportunity shows. 
we'll have to wait and see because the last one was obviously trash. <laughs> Shout goes out to Microsoft to announce Project Amplify, a video series that aims to magnify black voices within Xbox to inspire, educate, and motivate youth across the U.S. to aspire towards careers in the gaming industry. They released a recent survey from HBCU Connect. Out of 200 respondents, approximately 95% college students and alumni uh, share that they have interest in a career in the gaming industry. Microsoft also noted that only 2% of professionals in the video game industry are black compared with 13% of the U.S. population. So obviously a very, very great initiative from Microsoft. That's our show. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Camp Koji for future updates. Once again, I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.